a minute, but um, I want to tell you a story about a uh, CNN news cameraman, and uh, the cameraman uh, gets a cell phone out. There's a, a, a forest fire going on, and he needs to get some pictures of it. He needs to get some footage, so he pulls out a cell phone. He's got the clearance to get a plane. He calls the airport, and uh, he talks to the people at the airport, and he secures a charter plane. He runs to the airport, jumps out of his taxi, runs up to the people at the airport told him that there would be a plane waiting for him. He runs to the plane, jumps inside, and says, let's go. The, pa- the pilot taxis out, swings out onto the runway, and takes off. Once in the air, the cameraman instructed the pilot, fly over the valley and make low, pla- low passes so that I can get shots of the fire on the hillside. Why? asked the pilot. Well, because I'm a cameraman for CNN and I need to get some close-up shots. The pilot sat there strangely silent for just a moment and says, You're not my flight instructor? <laughs> We've been talking about First and Second Peter on Sunday mornings. We've been talking about basic. We've been talking about the basics of how we are to live. The basics of what we believe We've been talking about uh, the importance of the foundations of our faith as we look at First and Second Peter. And um, today we are talking about who we should listen to. We're talking about false teachers and the people that we should listen to and the people that we should not listen to. It's important that we know what voices to listen to. There are many competing voices in our world. Vying for our attention, vying for our hearts. There's many voices that we can listen to. There are books being written. There are websites to read. There are blogs to read. There are uh, Facebook posts. Billions and billions of Facebook posts. There are mostly of cats. Anyway, there are uh, television shows. There are radio shows, there are internet podcasts, there are all kinds of different ways that we hear what people are saying. And there are many, many voices that we can listen to, including mine. And so today we're talking about, boy, this is going to be a weird segue. Today we're talking about false teachers. (laughs) Listen to my voice. Let's talk about false teachers. Um, No, we're going to see what Peter says about false teachers and who we should listen to and who we should not listen to. We're talking about identifying false teachers and what are the characteristics of a false teacher and what happens to false teachers according to Scripture. So if you have a Bible, if you can locate a Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at the entire chapter today. 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 3. Grab your bulletin. Turn to the back page to the HDO, and we will begin filling in some blanks right away. The first blank on your outline this morning is false teachers will spread heresies. False teachers will spread heresies. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, he is writing in light of what he said last week about how no prophecy of Scripture had its origin in the will of men, but they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the prophets who wrote many, many hundreds of years before Peter wrote um, 
were inspired by God and that the words they wrote were God's word. So he says, there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Now, the Greek word for heresy literally means false teaching, but it has its root in a word that means divisive or division. Now, one of the characteristics of false teachings, uh, of false teachings is division. And when there is division in a church, and when there is division in Christ's church, it is not from God, it is not from Jesus if there are teachings that cause division, they are not from Christ. Because Jesus himself prayed for unity. In John chapter 17, he, uh, Jesus prayed for all believers. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prayed on the night that he was, before he was crucified, Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me. He prayed that we would be one, that we would have unity, that we would not be divided, that we would not turn against one another, but rather that we would love each other and that we would have complete unity in the church. So you, when false teachers spread teachings that cause division, you can be assured that that is not from God. That is not from Christ. Because Jesus is about unity and being united in the church in his name. He prayed for it so that the world would know. So that the world would know that, he, that the Father had sent him by the unity of people. Let's face it. We live in a world that is not united. We live in a world that is very divided. We live in a country that is very divided. Red states, blue states, right? We hear about it every four years. Well, every two years, actually. But we live in a world of division. Red states, blue states. White Sox, Cubs. Bears, Packers. We see it everywhere. We turn against one another. We turn on one another. And, and the way um, that it's not supposed to be that way in the church. In the church, we are all on the same team. We're all Packers fans. What? No? All right. We'll agree to disagree. It's fine. But the, the fact is, is that Jesus prayed for, for unity in John chapter 17, and we are to be united. False teachings have a way of causing division. Division is not from God. Okay? The second characteristic of, of heresy is to deny that Jesus is the Son of God. Or to deny that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. That, uh, to deny that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And you see, false teachers will tell you, no, no, no. There are many paths that lead to God. There are many paths that lead to heaven. They will tell you that Jesus isn't the only way to be saved. That he was a good teacher. That he was a prophet. That he was a good moral example. Those are false teachings. For you see, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the only way to be saved that there is no other name in acts chapter 4 verse 12 uh peter and john said uh, to the leaders of israel salvation is found in no one else 
For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He didn't say, I am a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That is only by Jesus, it is only through him uh, that we are saved. As it says, like I said, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. And then in John 14, 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I love what Pastor Greg Laurie once said. He said, all roads lead to God, but only one path leads to heaven. Only one road leads to heaven. Now, what does he mean by that? It means that every road will lead you to God's judgment seat. Every road leads to judgment at God's throne, but there's only one road that leads to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way that we can be saved, the only way. I remember in my first church down in the bean fields of Illinois uh, having a conversation with one of my fellow uh, ministers in town, and uh, we got into a fight. We got into a, a battle over, whether, uh, over who can be saved. And I, I quoted John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, well, what about a good Hindu or a good Muslim or a good Buddhist? I said, what about Jesus? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't sound very politically correct. It doesn't sound very, it sounds very exclusive, exclusive but Jesus said it himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. It is by God's grace that any of us are saved. It is through faith in Jesus Christ expressed in repentance, confession, and baptism that we are, that we are saved from our sins, that our many sins are washed away. I love what uh, Ananias told the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He said, what are you waiting for? This is after Paul came to faith in Jesus when he was still Saul. When he came to faith in Jesus, he said, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That this is how we call on the name of the Lord, is we have our sins washed away when we're baptized. And it is our faith uh, expressed in repentance, confession, and baptism that we are saved. The third characteristic of heresy or false teachers in this first part of 2 Peter 2, is that they are motivated by greed. They are motivated by greed. Now, wealth is not of the devil, but greed is. Wealth is not wrong, but greed is. There are some people who are more blessed than others. Some people have better jobs than others. Uh, Some people uh, are better at managing their money than others. Some people are savers. Some of us are spenders. Some people know how to live within their means. Some people don't. Wealth in and of itself is not wrong. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That greed is not of Christ. Greed is not of God I'm sorry, yeah, greed is not of God. Money and wealth are not wrong, but loving money more than God, loving money more than anything, greed is not of God. Greed is not of Christ. 
And so whenever you hear a preacher that seems to be motivated by greed, watch out. They'll say things that sound scriptural, but they really aren't. So how can you know the difference? How can you know whether or not somebody's preaching the truth? How can you know whether or not somebody's motivated by greed? Know your Bible. Read your word. Read the scriptures. Know the scriptures and you'll be able to understand. You'll be able to know what the counterfeit is. You've got to know the real thing, the real deal. There was an art teacher at the University of Northern Iowa. And this art teacher handed out a lemon to all the students and told them, take your lemon home, study it, know what it looks like, examine it, smell it, know your lemon. Came back to school the next day. Our teacher says, now put all your lemons in this bag. All the students put their lemon in the bag, shook the bag up, said, okay, find your lemon. How would you know it was your lemon? Surprisingly, most of the students were able to know which lemon was theirs. How did they know? Because they knew their lemon. They studied their lemon. Know your Bible. Know God's Word. Study God's Word. Know it. Because if you don't know your Bible, you won't know the false. You won't know the heresy if you don't know the truth. Rather than studying all of the possible counterfeits, rather than studying all the possible heresies, study the truth and you will know the real deal. If you know the word of God, you will know a false teaching when you hear it like that. You will know false teachings. And if you study God's word, you will become a better disciple of Jesus and you will know false teachings when you hear them. The second blank on your outline is that false teachers will be punished. False teachers will be punished. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, excuse me, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. You know what this tells me? That God takes this very seriously. When he talks about eternal punishment for false teachers, it tells me that he takes his church seriously. That God takes his people seriously. That God takes his word and the preaching and teaching of his word very, very seriously. God takes all of this seriously. 
Church is not an afterthought to God. The Bible is not an afterthought to God. God takes this seriously. Those who teach false doctrines will be punished. Those who distort the truth will be punished. Those who abuse God's word in order to uh, deceive people for their own gain will be punished. Why? Because God is serious about his word and about his church and about his people. You see, God loves people. God loves you, and God loves me, and God wants nothing more than to spend eternity with you and me. God loves us and wants to spend eternity with us. That's why he sent his son Jesus. Bob said it so great in his communion meditation this morning about how God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins so that we can have forgiveness and that we can have the gift of eternal life, that we don't have to spend eternity in punishment. We don't have to spend eternity separated from God for all, uh, for all of eternity and forever and ever, but rather we can spend eternity with God in heaven forever and ever and ever. God is serious about his word. God is serious about his church. God is serious about his people. And false teachers lead people down the wrong path. They are led away from Christ. And when people follow the supposed man of God instead of the son of God, they are following a false teacher. When people are told that God has promised them material blessings beyond belief, but they're never told that they're supposed to take up the cross, we have a problem. When they are told that there are many roads that lead to heaven, we have a problem. When people are told that God doesn't mind sin, we have a problem. You see, God hates sin, and he hated it so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. God takes all of this very, very seriously. Jesus didn't die so that wealthy preachers on TV could get wealthier by begging for money. God takes this so seriously. And so should preachers. And so should teachers. We should take this incredibly seriously. I have to take this seriously. This is not about a paycheck. This is not about getting wealthy. This is about helping people find the truth of Scripture. And so the sermons that I preach, the lessons that I teach, the studies that I write, the devotions that I write, had better come from Scripture. Or else if I am propagating false teachings, I am in danger of eternal punishment. And let me tell you what, I don't want that. Not at all. Neither should you. If you are a teacher, if you teach a Bible study, or if you uh, tell people about Jesus, you better know what you're talking about. Don't spread false teachings. Don't spread heresies. Teach and preach the truth. And I'm telling you right now, I am going to promise you that I will preach and teach the Word of God. I will preach and teach the Scriptures the best I can, the best I know how, the way that I've been taught, the way that I've been trained. And that is my promise to you that I will preach and teach the word of God. And if you have questions, if you have concerns about something I've said or something that I've written or something that I've taught, I want you to talk to me. Don't go talk to everybody else. Talk to me. And I, and I want to hear your concerns. And I want to hear your questions. I don't want to... I, I'm not on a pedestal. I'm not standing up here telling you, you know, this is just spoon feeding you. This is what you have to believe because I said it. That's not, that's not how it works around here. That if you have questions 
and you want to know where did you get that from or where did you hear that or, or why did you tell that story or, or how did you get to that understanding of this scripture passage, ask me those questions. I'm not afraid of questions because I want to preach the truth and I don't want to lead anyone astray. I don't want to lead anybody down a wrong path. I want to be a teacher of the truth and a preacher of the truth. And so if you have questions, let's talk. Let's talk about it. But don't just sit there and get spoon-fed, you know, everything that comes off of a stage or everything that comes out of a pulpit. Read your Bible. Ask questions. I'm telling you, I don't want, I don't want to be punished for all eternity. <laughs> I want to preach and teach the truth. And if you have questions about it, let's talk. I invite your questions. And I want to talk about what's going on. And I want to help everyone get to a better understanding of God's word. The last blank on your outline is that false teachers will not practice what they preach. False teachers will not practice what they preach. Let's close out the passage by starting in verse uh, 13. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Those are some harsh words. I mean, that's just downright just... Rawr. Peter's angry. I can just imagine him sitting there writing and just scribbling on a, on a scroll. But when you boil it all down, these verses, it means that false teachers don't practice what they preach or what they should be preaching. Kind of reminds me of Matthew 7, chapter, 15, uh, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, when Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You will know them by their fruit. You will see the evidence of their false teachings in their own life. That if they are not living out the message that they are preaching, if they are hypocrites, if they are not practicing what they preach, you will see the fruit in their lives. In 
Second Timothy chapter two, four, verses two through four, Paul told Timothy, "Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths." We live in a world where there are preachers who would rather scratch ears than step on toes. And you will know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit are they producing? Are they practicing what they preach? Or are they saying one thing and doing another? Now, let's face it, we're all sinners. We're all guilty of this. We know the truth. We know what the Bible says. We know how we're supposed to be living. And we know that we don't do it. We sympathize with Paul when he says, I know what I'm supposed to do, but for some reason I don't do it. I know what I'm not supposed to do, and for some reason I do that. It's the sinful nature that lives in us. We're idealists. We want to do the right things. We want to say the right things, and yet we fall short and we fail. And that's where God's grace comes in. And it makes up the difference, and it forgives our sins. But there is a difference between saying, you know what, I know I'm not supposed to do this, and I keep doing it, and I don't know why, and I'm just, I'm a sinner. And someone who says, you know what, I'm going to live a way Uh, that is deceitful, so that other people will follow me, so that other people will enrich me. There's more, uh, it is repugnant to God when people say, I want to make money off of Christians. I want to get rich off of Christians. And I'm going to teach them or preach to them whatever I can, whatever I will, in order to make money off of them. That is motivated by greed, as we saw earlier, and that it does not come from Christ. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If you are hearing a preacher, if you are listening to a teacher, if you are reading a book, and the Holy Spirit within you says, nah, that don't sound right. There's something fishy about this. There probably is. Somebody might have slipped a sturgeon in your book. So be careful what you read. Be careful who you listen to. Investigate the teachings that people are preaching. Compare them to the Bible. Are they in there? Is the teaching that you're reading, is the book that you're reading, does it match up with what the Bible is? What the Bible says? If not, change the channel. If not, close your web browser. Shut the book. If it's not coming from God, if it's not coming from Scripture then it is a false teaching. We must be very careful about what we read, about what we hear, about what we're taught, about what we believe. Be on the lookout for false teachers. Because sometimes things will sound scriptural. Things will sound like they come from the book of Second Hesitations. Or the book of Hezekiah. There's a great story about the coach. You know who I'm talking about. Mike Dicka was giving a news conference after he had been fired as the coach of the Chicago Bears. And he quoted the Bible. He says, Scripture tells you that all things shall pass, a choked up Dicka said after leading his team to only five wins the previous season. This too shall pass. Scripture doesn't say that. It doesn't say that cleanliness is next to godliness. It doesn't say that God works in mysterious ways. There is no sinner's prayer. Nope. 
We need to know our Bibles. The only way to spot a counterfeit is to know the real thing. If you are not reading your Bible, you need to read your Bible. Generations before us, go back hundreds of years before Gutenberg invented the printing press. And you are talking about people who would just crave scripture. The fact that we have not just one Bible in our houses. How many of you have two Bibles in your house? Keep your hands up. Three, four, five, six, on and on and on. There are people living 800 years ago who said, you have nine Bibles in your house? I would, I would love to have just a, a page out of Scripture. There are people around the world today who would just love to have a single page of Scripture. And we got nine Bibles collecting dust in our house. Something wrong with that. Know your Bible. Read your Bible. If you need a, there are reading plans all over the internet. If you need a reading plan, just shoot me an email or come by my office and we'll get you a reading plan to read your Bible. But you got to read your Bible. It's the best way to spot a counterfeit is to know the real thing. It's kind of like when you go to McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's. We're, we're equal opportunity fast food eaters here. So uh, you go to, and, and you order a, a Diet Coke or worse, you order a Coke and they hand the thing through the drive-thru, and you take a sip, and it's diet. Oh, yeah, yeah, this happened to you before, huh? It doesn't taste right. False teachers are diet coke of theology. <laughs> it just isn't the real thing. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to love your word. And to more than just love the Bible, to know the Bible. To know the truth of the teachings you have for us to learn. Thank you, God, that you have given us your word. That we can learn from it. That we can grow in it. That we can know you better. That we can become better disciples of Jesus through it. I pray that you would uh, give us a keen awareness and a, key under, a keen understanding uh, to have discernment when it comes to false teachers, that we would not follow false teachers, that I pray for my own teaching, that God, you would not let me teach false teachings, but that rather, God, we would speak the truth and that the truth would set us free. Thank you, God, for your word, and thank you for this time together. We pray now that you would uh, bless uh, the rest of this day uh, and this week, and again, give us a, a thirst and a hunger for your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.